the Get Fishing podcast has returned. Now, we normally or had planned to do a big run of the podcast through autumn and winter uh, because I have a bit more time to do them. But there's so much happening in the world of Get Fishing uh, we've had uh, to start it early. We've got some massive guests coming up as well in future episodes. Today, we are going to be joined by Angling Royalty, Mr. Matt Hayes. I'm really, really excited about this one. We're going to really get into his career in angling and find out find out how it all started. How did it happen? And uh, we've got some listener questions from you guys later on as well. Get Fishing is the Angling Trust campaign to get more people fishing. We are funded from the Environment Agency from a fishing license income. And as always, a massive thank you to our sponsors, Angling Direct and Shakespeare. Right, episode six, here we go. Right, we're on Zoom. I know Matt is currently in Norway, so let's hope everything's going to work smoothly. Oh, he's on. You all right, buddy? Um, yeah, I'm fine, actually, mate. I'm really busy with... Uh everything here in Norway because it's the, it's the middle of our salmon season and we've got a lot of fishing guests here at the fishing lodge so yes I'm I'm absolutely stacked out with work at the moment. How long have you been in Norway Matt? Um, I mean on and off for about 17 years. It's um, a long so, time. Yeah we came out here in um, or I came out here in 2004 to film Lake Escapes which was a series we made for Discovery about short fishing holidays and i came back again the following year and i've been here on and off pretty much ever since but as time's gone by you know i've spent more and more time living here because our kids go to school here and all that sort of thing but um it's it's a great country to live in anyway i've never been to norway but i do quite a lot of sea angling and i see some wonderful photos from norway uh of turbot and things oh yeah i mean the, the, the sea fishing out here is that that's actually the biggest export, believe it or not. The um, it's bigger than even than salmon fishing. Yeah, and you know the quality of the the fishing out here, both off boats and the shore, is certainly. I, I suppose it it's a bit like going to France for carp. Yeah, going to Norway <laughs> to fish for cod or very big cold fish here, huge cod, um, big halibut, really big halibut, Jimmy actually. Yeah, so, I see that. Yeah, no, I, I must come over. It looks like an absolute beautiful country. And uh, yeah, I, I must come over, Matt. There's something I have to tell you, actually. I think you might be my lucky charm, and I will explain why. Right, <laughs> okay. About two months ago, do you remember you asked me? Um, I think I said I was I was doing some house viewing, and you asked That's me. That's right. You I do said, remember. You I, do I remember. was going to ask you how you got on. Wow. Well, yeah. um, so for about eight months before that period, me and my fiance, we had been looking for houses. Now, the, the market over here is mad at the moment, Matt. Like the, the houses are just selling. Like I've never seen anything like it. Now, every week, me and my partner would look for houses. We'd book in a viewing every Saturday or two or three viewings. We'd bit, put a bid in Monday morning. By Monday afternoon, we've been outbid, right? That went on on a weekly basis for about eight months. Unbelievable. Like, it was really getting us down. We went to view a house a couple of months ago, and we said, this is the house. You, within minutes, had said, oh, um, I really wish you good luck with your house. Where is it? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, thanks, Matt. 
that offer was accepted almost instantly. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, I'll tell you what, anybody listening to this, don't expect the same result. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I can't do I can't do it on demand, mate. But I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really pleased for you. So you so you, you you've got over where you've moved in now. No, or? well, no. This is the other problem, Matt. Everything takes four months to complete as well now. Oh, so uh, this yeah, is. It started a few months ago. It was accepted when I spoke to you. Our mortgage was accepted yesterday, actually. Um, and it looks like it still might be another month or two before we move in. But, um, yeah, something's happening, which is good. Well, it is good. And I'm sure you'll be happy there. It's lovely moving into a new house. Matt, I mean, when when we speak to people on these podcasts, um, they're, they're, people are normally known for one, maybe two things. I mean, you have a massive list of of things that you are, are kind of known for. I mean, just the television shows. You've got the Great Rod Race, 24-Hour Rod Race, Total Fishing, Wet Nets. The, there's the BBC bits and bobs you've done with um, the Earth's Wildest Waters, the Big Fish. I mean, mm. there, there, there's books. How many books have you written, Matt? No, well, actually, not that many, surprisingly. No? Um, I, I, I wrote my first book in, um, I think it was in about nine. Nine, I'm going to say 97, 98, mm. that which was called Course Fishing with Matt Hayes. Yeah, and then I didn't, I didn't actually write another one until about seven or eight years ago. We put together two and anthologies of my work in angling times. That's me and the guys at Strike One Media I work with, and um, they were stories. You know, they were classic stories printed in angling times, which I read wrote and steve partner edited a bit and they're really nice because they, they're that rare thing in angling nowadays they were storybooks um yeah. but i'm and then i did another book uh, more recently with mick brown called duke and i and mm. um but i mean to be fair mick wrote more of that than i did actually uh, uh, and but i'm doing i'm doing one now i'm doing my autobiography sort of now but it, it it's not Fully my autobiography. It's a bit complicated. I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, that that's going to be a, a fantastic read. You just think we're going to go over bits and bobs through this uh, chat, but it's just things you've had a, a wonderful, a wonderful life in angling. How long was your weekly column in Angling Times? How long did that run for? That's a good question. I'll just take a swig of pop. Jim. I'll just come back from the river. <laughs> it's thirsty work being out there, but somebody's got to do it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the Angling Times column. Um, I think I was with them about twenty years. That's a long time, and, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I was actually under contract for Angling Times, and it was fabulous. I, I mean, especially in the late nineties, when you know, really everything serious about angling went through that office. You know, whether it was a record fish or you know a story about angling or an approach from people who wanted to make angling telly or something. It all came through that office. And, of course, you know, I was a big part of it. And the guys who were in charge, Rich Lee, who was the editor-in-chief at Bow Publishing in the end, um, but he was he was the main guy on fishing. Um, and, you know, I knew all the lads on the news desk and, you know, the photographers. We worked together. You know, it was a job of work. We, we were proud of what we did. We were professional about it. And it, it was fantastic fun. So it was brilliant really for 20 years but you know the print media has declined a bit now as you as you know 
Yeah, yes, very much so. Um, I, I've just had a quick Google of you, or last night I was looking. You, you've got a, a, a tackle brand with your name on it. It's still available at Argos. Um, how long's that been going? Well, that's that's an interesting question. I mean, um, uh, you don't want to believe everything you read on Google, first of all, Jim. Um, <laughs> but, in, in this, <laughs> but in this particular case, yeah, um, it's called Matt Hayes Adventure, and I, I started it, oh, probably 10 years ago, and it's it's tackle for people on very tight budgets, beginners, kids, and all that sort of thing. So it, it's designed to fulfill the purpose. It's designed to be to get people fishing, to get them out fishing, basically, to get them started without any frills. It's very family-focused. Um, because it's sold through Argos, it's kind of nice, you know, because it's also a brand that is... Uh, so I like it, you know, it just ticks along. And the stuff that I that we put in there is simple. The stuff aimed at the kids tries to make it relatively unbreakable. But, you know, obviously when you're manufacturing things in fishing on a budget, it's much harder than when you, you know, you've got a high price point to play with. There's one thing before, I mean, obviously I want to speak about this wonderful television career. I mean, there was also a Matt Hayes video game, wasn't there? Yes. <laughs> Not yes. many people have had a video game, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I actually, um, it was with EA Sports or Electronic Arts, um, and they are the world's biggest independent games manufacturer. You know, they've got a lot of the big franchises, especially things like FIFA Soccer and that sort of stuff. Mm. So they're huge, and they wanted to. They're chief executive at the time was a chap called Paul uh, Jackson and he wanted to do some um, fishing or do a fishing game because he liked fishing. So I ended up <laughs> making this fishing game with them. Um, it was made on for them what was a low budget, you know, because it was effectively it was an American bass fishing game with our fish instead of bass. Yeah. Um, but we, we actually went the whole hog because what we tried to do, or I had the idea, I said, look, can we make it so that it is a tutorial about lure fishing? You know, like if you do the right thing with a lure, you always get rewarded. And, and that, that was a fascinating process to go through what they call the artificial intelligence of the game and to be the brain of the game that says, if you cast here and crank it down to this depth, you'll get a 20 pound pike. But if you cast it up the bush, obviously you'll get nothing. And if you cast it in water that's too shallow and you're using the wrong lure, you'll get nothing. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it was actually quite quite interesting um, to do it. And in the end, when I finished it, they took me off as a reward. They took me to the World Cup finals in 2000. And um, I think it was 2002 in Korea and, and Japan. And we went to Japan and I was hanging out with all these guys from uh, the gaming industry. There was a chap called David Goose, and he was the head of Nintendo US. And another chap called Sandy Duncan, he was like just, they were just launching the Xbox. And they were all saying, what are you doing here? And I was going, I don't know. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. And um, for some reason, you know, we just sort of hung out for the week together with these top execs. And it worked, you know, it was just a lot of fun. What an interesting so, life. What an interesting, you know, it, it's just, it's fascinating, Matt. Um, but this could... Japan, if it, I just, if, if anybody, if you get the chance to go to Japan, I, I, 
it, it, there is nowhere like it. it. It's the cleanest place in the world. Mm. And you, you can be in Tokyo and go into one of their parks in the city and you can hear a pin drop. Mm. But but the, their their respect for life and nature and is quite admirable, really. It's it's quite nice. It's a really interesting place, actually. So I suppose we better go to the start. I mean, how did you get into angling initially? When did did you start fishing as a child? Yes, <clears throat> I mean, like many people, you know, my both my grandfathers fished, and um, my uncle Colin fished, and my dad, and. You know, the club match fishing scene was huge then in the Midlands. We lived in, in you know, the uh, grotty industrial part where all the water was polluted. So, but but we, we really valued it, you know. We valued our time by the water. It was, a, it was an oasis and an escapism for us, and for me in particular, you know. So those, those early childhood memories are, you know, they're just the best, aren't they? Fishing with your grandfather, you know, and your dad and your uncle. Brilliant. Yeah, of course. I mean, we obviously we get fishing. We run thousands of events around the country, and the old traditional route where your dad used to take you, it seems to have changed slightly now because we are get fishing events. We quite often get mum turning up the kids. No one's got any idea what they're doing, which is fine because you get a free instructor, free bait, free tackle. They show you what to do, but it seems so important that I mean, I go to events and. Yeah, it, it, it seems to have changed a bit because my dad took me as well. And, and I know many dads still take their kids, but it's definitely evolved slightly now where we're getting mum with the kids turning up and just wanting to something to do to spend more time outside, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's more, um, certainly more mums and more girls yeah. taking up the sport than than the, there ever was. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it was very unusual to see uh, anyone other than boys fishing, you know, uh, and their dads. Um, but now, uh, why not? I mean, a lot of the mums are sort of these days charged with the responsibility of, you know, the kids and everything, especially during the summer holidays. And, you know, what a responsibility that is. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've run a lot of fishing courses and done a lot of events, and more often than not, it's the mums that bring the kids now, not, not the dads, you know. Yeah. So so things have changed. Society's changed, and, uh, it, you know, it's a shame in some ways because I, I certainly treasure the, the time I had with my grandfathers and uh, with my dad, you know, and my yeah. uncle. It, it, fantastic. Um. Sort of coming so you started when you're younger, but I mean, I'd like to sort of skip to the the television. I mean, how what was the first TV show? There's been many, but what was the first one, and how did it come about? Well, the first one actually was for Sky Sports, and it was called Fish Tales. They were very short, five minute fishing shows, tops and tail by me, just a piece of fishing action, and it went on before the uh, Premier League football. When Sky started the Premier League football, it was, I think it was the first or the second year of that. Before the Monday night football, it was me with this thing called Fishtoes. And as far as I know, you know, it went very well and it was a good idea. And then I got summoned to Sky Sports Towers. So we go off to this meeting about whether we're going to do another series. And the chap called Roger Moody, who was the acquisitions and purchasing guy at Sky Sports at the time. Explains to me, well, we're only really interested in football anyway, so we haven't got any money. 
you know, I mean, we might screen some fishing, but we haven't actually got any money for any fishing. He said, by the way, you're not very good at it. You're not good at this. You're not cut out to be on television. You shouldn't be presenting fishing. So, so I, you know, naturally, I was absolutely devastated um, and, and considered just, just dropping the whole thing immediately, to be perfectly honest. But as other people persuaded me not to, it turned out in the end he was the next-door neighbour of Andy Little. That was... And um, he hadn't declared that at the start. Naughty Mr. Moody. So if you are watching this, Roger, funnily enough, I actually did make a half-decent job of it, mate. I think you, you did all right, Matt, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, so what was the, the... So that was the first, the short films, and then you went on... What was the, the big series? Was there a series after that, the first one? Well, I, I, Total Fishing came, you know, next. When, yeah. when, when, when we went to Discovery, who came in very quickly after Moody had sacked me off. Yeah. Um, I was basically going to pack it in. And then Discoveries came and said, we'd love you to make shows for think you've got great potential. And I mean, their their treatment of me as, as um, you know, a potential talent for them compared to Sky was like chalk and cheese. I mean, you know, it was unbelievable. And in fact, I think they did a lot to improve many aspects, you know, my broadcasting career and, usefulness as an entertainer as well as a, uh, you know as well as the fishing part so um that i ended up there and we did we did total fishing and total fishing when you look back you know so cheesy with the porn music and, you know, <laughs> it just is it's so like but, but brilliant it was the, so but, loved but, but the, oh yeah because the formula's right mate mm. the formula's right you know if, if if you want a hit tv show about fishing just remote total fishing you yeah. can call it what you like. Yeah. But just remote total fishing. But having said that, if you remote total fishing, you've got to get the right host, obviously, because it's it's a linked together show. So yeah. you know, depends on having the right person to make it all gel. But I, I loved it. And I mean, then obviously we went on there to do other things. Probably I'd say the peak of it really was the great rod race. That was uh, um, massive. Do you know, Matt, I just looked on Internet Movie Database and it's got an 8.5 rating, The Great Rod Race. That's a very high rating for that, you know? Is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we had a great time. It, the whole thing was my idea, uh, the whole concept of it and, and the rules. But, you know, I, we almost didn't do it because I just thought it was so naff. Mm. And, I, and I remember telling Mick, you know, well, maybe we should do this, we should go around the UK and catch these species, you know, like we used to collect tea cards when we were kids. And yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And I was, oh, really? You know, I'm not saying really yet. He just came, yeah, really? And I was going, no, it's crap. <laughs> and, um, uh, and eventually we, 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 you know, we realised that actually the, simpli the simplicity of the concept was was the beauty of it but it was the first time that we made semi-reality television if you like mm. as opposed to you know fully fully set piece and and really the idea was was to expand the relationship beyond the on-screen relationship with myself and the Jew, which he did he did massively I mean, Mick Brown, and where did he get did, did you know him before the television career had started yeah yeah I mean because it was me that got that persuaded him to do telly in the first place. <laughs> I, d I don't think Mick would have ever naturally ended up 
not on proper telly, if you want, not on anything of any substance, because it just wasn't in his personality. But I could see that if he performed a particular role, which was, you know, as a foil to me, then he could flourish in that environment. Mm. Whereas if he had to be the guy who, tell everybody I'm Mick Brown, welcome to the show, this is what I'm going to do, yeah, he could do it. But he, he would do a better job in, in the role as, as you know, as, as a foil to me, as, as a fishing partner to me. So that part of it was very planned out, you know, and I had to think very carefully about who I wanted it to be and, uh, you know, because there, there were a number of potential candidates. But the personality came into it, the experience, whether it would be good television, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, my individual respect for the person. So, I mean, and it was, you know, it was good. It was great chemistry, as you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's just, I, for some reason, your relationship with Mick, it, it kind of works. It just works. And, I mean, we've got um, Take a Friend Fishing running this August, all through National Fishing Month, which is where existing sort of fishing license holders can take a friend, a non-angling friend fishing, and they don't need to have their rod fishing license. Um, and it's a perfect example of, so what I know personally, a lot of my brilliant angling memories, it's not actually catching the fish, it's it's everything. It's an adventure, isn't it? Every is spending time with someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it is, and it always should be, you know, no matter how old you get and no matter how many fish you've caught, it it should always be an adventure that you really look forward to. Mm. Um, it still is for me at any rate. Uh, I don't fish anything like as much as I used to. I spend a lot of my time teaching others and organising fishing for others these days. And sometimes that can be a bit frustrating, you know, because mm. I just love the, the time out there with the rod in my hand. I've, I've come to appreciate the therapy of it in more in more recent years as I've sort of slowed down a bit. I think I was too bullet gate in the young years to to really look at fishing as it was like, oh, so relaxing, isn't it? No, it was. I never found fishing relaxing in the early days. <laughs> um, I might do now, but I mean, not not at all. Uh, um, wet nets was wet nets discovery as well. Yeah, it yeah. was, and and it, and it actually came. It, 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 it wet nets came before Great Rod Race. Was that, that before was the? Great Rod? That was the first series with Mick, and it, and it was called Wet Nets and Winding Roads, yeah. I remember, I'm sure it was Wet Nets, that you fished at Winton's Fishery in Sussex. That's Is that right. correct? We did, yeah. Now, about three years ago, I started fishing at Winton's Fishery, and I remembered it from your programme, and I started fishing at what a beautiful, wonderful fishery. It's my little place of happiness where I go for two or three days just to escape the world yeah. Um, yeah have you been there recently since you filmed it or no no not for many years this um... i mean really around uh, I, I we caught the the big catfish in um one of the episodes of wet nets uh and there was quite a big furore about the time i mean john wilson had been down the week before trying to catch one of these fish which you know, when you look back, I mean, we knew that they were hadn't been born in there. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and you've got to remember that the catfish record back in the day was um, Richard Richard somebody other's fish from Tring Reservoirs from Wilston, fourteen mm. Richard Bray, 
and it mm. was £44 something. And that was the catfish record. Mm. And then all of a sudden, these catfish, huge catfish started to appear in tiny little ponds. And that was really the start of it. And we went down there to fish for the cats. Mick's done it many times since. I mean, he doesn't sort of have the the kind of moral objections to it that I have in many respects. But mm. we just went there to make some tally. We caught two of them. Um, they were over the British record at the time, which had been closed off. And it just finished with me, finished me with catfish. I'd just, I'd just done enough fishing for them. And I felt the whole thing had become a bit of a circus, really, that you'd got these gigantic fish in these tiny little ponds. And it was very difficult to take it seriously. And it was quite unlike the catfishing that I did in the early days when, you know, the first catfish I caught was one of the escapees from Woburn mm. in, an in Milton Keynes. And it was the first catfish ever caught there. People only had suspected they were in there. But I knew they were. I knew there was one because the bloke who, uh, who stopped me late told me <laughs> he put it in himself and I caught him. I've um, I, I was going to Winton's on Kingfisher Lake. There they have it's just carp in there now, and they've got some wonderful carp. Um, they've got one. Yeah, it was. It always was a good carp fishery. Always. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, I, I can't catch a carp from there. I've caught every fish from all different lakes. I've caught a, a twenty-five pound pike last autumn from Mallard Lake, which was the biggest one in the lake after twenty minutes of trying. I don't. <laughs> I mean, fishing's like that sometimes, isn't it? I don't know. It all just works. But the year before that, I'd been fishing on Kingfisher, and I, I can't catch a carp from there. And I kind of like the fact that I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I never fished Kingfisher much. Uh, I, I tended to fish on Mallard. More Mallard, than yeah, Mallard. That's yeah. that's they, they've got uh, the average size of the cats there is brilliant. Um, but they're they, they've got the heron where the biggest cat lives, which is called Big Bad Barry, which is just under a hundred pound now. Which... <laughs> do you know, well, I, do you know where do you know where Big Bad Barry comes? No, it's from um, Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom, which is an amazing animated kids series yeah uh and big bad barry is the fish that lives in the lake that eats every boat that goes on there oh well, i didn't know that him, yeah that's 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 where big bad barry comes from <laughs> it's a very cool name <laughs> uh um we've got i put something on a little teaser on socials yesterday just for a couple of questions a couple of listener questions for you matt and there's a few little interesting ones um yeah. we've had one on Instagram, our get into fishing Instagram account is from the Essence of Angling, which is a lovely Instagram name. He's <laughs> he's asked, What tips would you give a young angling writer looking for job opportunities? Now, you're probably the perfect person to ask, Matt, due to your long writing career. I mean, have you got any tips for a young angler writer looking for job opportunities? Well, I mean, first of all, don't expect to get rich because <laughs> the angling industry is not an industry to come in and make lots and lots and lots of money in. However, um, of course, there's a huge, long uh, history of angling, fine angling journalism, which I was, mine wasn't particularly fine, but I was certainly a part of it through a large part of my career. Obviously, these days, um, the amount of print media is reduced you know, there just isn't as many newspapers and magazines as there were. 
So the number of people that you can write in print for is, is definitely reduced dramatically. And I think the way to actually go about it is through some kind of online blog that, you know, builds up a, a, a gathering or a following. Um, because I think there is, there's no substitute for doing the thing right. So, that, so the first thing must be that, you, you know, you give equal weight to the journalism part as the angling part. And, and that's very important that, that you actually see, you've got to see what you're doing for what it is. I always realised that my job wasn't to go fishing. It wasn't just to go fishing. It was to produce a television programme, and there's a difference. Mm. That means that if I can't be bothered to film the intro, or all the bits that connect it together, then it ain't going to be very good. Mm. So I have to listen to the person in charge. So the first thing with, if you're going to have a writing career is try to get into some sort of uh, blog type situation and have a look at some of the stuff that Don Garnett's done. Mm. Because Don Garnett, who worked for the Angling Trust for a while, but now works, um, I think, on the contract with Angling Times. That's correct. Yeah, I know Dom. Dom. Dom's written books. Uh, he's a Dom's an excellent writer. I mean, he he is one of the old school. Mm. And and boy, do we need the we do need the writers, you know, of the likes of Clive Gammon and Chris Yates and these these sort of people who could inspire you to pick up a fishing rod, you know, with their writing. We do need that. So for an aspiring young writer, I would definitely get into creating some sort of blog. I would definitely have a look at some of Dom Garnet's stuff to get some ideas of how you might actually construct a blog and what you might write about. And then I think it's about just pounding the streets in journalism, you know, asking newspapers if they've got anybody, if they've got an angling column, if they want contributions, starting the lo- maybe the local newspaper or something might want something. There's no substitute for hard work, but if you want something badly enough, you'll succeed. Yeah, I, I very much agree, Matt, and uh, fantastic advice. And I would say these days it's a lot easier. Like when I was young trying to break into well, either whether it's video or writing or anything, sort of 25 years ago, we didn't have the world of social media. Now we can, people can publish stuff and people can find it and they can see it, which didn't really exist, did it, 25 years ago? No. And in some ways it was good and in other ways, it, you know, there's, there's very positive parts to social media and also negative parts like with everything else. Um, I, I, I think to some extent the instancy of the information has meant that some of the classic angling parts, you know, the... the, the angling stories with great angling soul and the sort of thing that really makes you want to go fishing and stirs the soul. That's a bit, that's a bit rare these days, mm. but there is a very long tradition of it and it plays a very important role actually, Jimmy. Yeah. I, a lot of my passion was, was driven by reading books. So on Twitter, uh, Rory at Norwich giant is the username. Um, he wants to know what's your favorite tactic for chub on small rivers? Um, it depends, really, on whether it's summer or winter. I mean, if it's summer, I'd say stalking them with natural baits um, would be top of the list, really. And, you know, on things like floating crust as well. Yeah. But slugs are amazing. A tremendous bait. So, 
in the summer, stalking them on a small river. In the winter, undoubtedly, the main attack is bread, whether it's, you know, the ground bait, which is liquidized or mashed bread, flake or crust on the hook. But I, I've always rated cheese and cheese paste. Mm. Um, and more often than not, I use a, a sort of critically balanced hook bait, which is a piece of crust with a sort of pyramid of soft cheese paste molded on top of it to make it just sink very slowly. Yeah. And, of course, you can bump baits like that through the swim with a lot of finesse. And it, it, it does it does attract a lot of fish. So, for me, it's bread and cheese in the winter and then natural baits in the summer. Yeah. I You mentioned slugs there. I remember when I was very young, I was fishing in the middle of Newbury in Berkshire, a tiny little stream. Like it was a tiny, tiny little stream. And um, I had a handful of maggots, and I'd run out of maggots, and I started using slugs, and we were catching a chub, two or three pound, every single cast. It's, I was amazed at how small the stream was and how big the fish were. It was amazing when I was young, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and that's one of the great things about chub, because they, big fish do live in quite quite small, the upper reaches of rivers and streams and stuff. And, and I think it's one of the reasons that I've... There's something nice and intimate about fishing a small river, and I think, you know, that's why I've always treasured chub fishing so much. Mm. It's simple, you know, just a very simple way of fishing, a very pure way of fishing. Uh, Stuart James Hum on Facebook, on our Get Fishing Facebook, says, what is the funniest thing you have ever experienced on a fishing trip? Um... Oh God! <laughs> so many. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I think probably the 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 worst thing was um, when we were filming uh, the second Great Rod Race series, and um, me and Mick got hold of this fart machine, <laughs> and uh, we were in touch with the guys in the crew via walkie-talkies. And Mick got hold of his fart machine. He just didn't know when to stop. <laughs> in the end, the guys in the crew confiscated it. And we, we ended up in this hotel. And we it was basically a remote control loudspeaker <laughs> that made one of four fart sounds. <laughs> so we put it above the door to the ladies' toilet. And every time they went, and we sat at a, a table not far away. And every time they went in to go in, we Mick just pressed the button underneath and oh, farting <laughs> sounds. And so, uh, they like some of them tweaked <laughs> it straight away. Some of them were horrified. Some of them thought it was hilarious. But I mean, we had about I'd think about twenty minutes of huge fun until the restaurant manager, the the, the lady in charge, decided that she'd had enough. So she came down to the Duke who was, you know, a man in his 60s at the time, and gave him a proper dressing down and said, you know, this isn't the right, you know, you, you've gone too far. <laughs> you need to know where the line is. So I said, what are you going to do? He said, watch this. So he went off into the restaurant serving people, and he put it in the wine fridge and went. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we nearly got thrown out. <laughs> I mean, we were really close, really, really close. I told them not to be so miserable. I don't think that helped. <laughs> Do you come over the UK much now? Do you come Yes, uh, not as much as I'd like to, because in the summer I'm very busy with the salmon fishing season because we've got a, 
a salmon fishing lodge out here. So we've got fly fishing guests all summer. Yeah. Staying. But uh, in the autumn, I'm hoping to be to come over, see my mum and dad, do a bit of fishing with the Duke and that sort of thing. So um, I haven't made any firm plans yet, but I think it'll be sort of, you know, end of September, beginning of October or something like that. Well, just thank you so much for your time, mate. I mean, it's a fascinating story, your your whole life and your your whole career in angling. I mean, it, it's remarkable. I mean, I think you must look back at it and think, whoa, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. When you look at the list of things that you've done. Yes, I, I suppose I have. You know, it, it, it's been amazing. Funny enough, I was telling a, a guy recently who was one of the guests here about um, – what I was doing with writing this book, you know. And uh, he'd worked in some very senior media projects for many years. And he said, why don't you write a book? He said, I don't see the story about being about the fishing. He said, I think the real story is the fact that you lived an alternative life. Mm. That's the real story. You know, you lived a lifestyle that is a dream and what you've done is so unconventional, which it would have to be if you leave my life. If you tried to be conventional, you'd fail. I mean, it is. It's, you're never going to make loads and loads of money at it, but you'll just be rich in life. I put something out the other day, Jim, about I very rarely put commercial stuff on Facebook. You know, mm -hmm. I do sometimes if I think something needs a plug or, you know, and I'm selling it or whatever. And, the nice people um, at uh, Flat and Fishing who make Matt Hayes' adventure that you mentioned about mm. just brought something out new in August. Let's give it a plug. And most people are absolutely cool with it, but you've always got one or two individuals. And as I said to him, I said, so let's get this right. How, how am I supposed to make a living if I can't ever offend your sense of impar impartiality? Mm. You're just not being realistic. Yeah. And, um, you know, that. If you live a life like this, there there is a price to pay. You 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 have to make some sacrifices, but by the same token, you just have to em embrace it, mate. You just it's a ride. It's like it's like getting on a wave and then drifting off across a lake and finding yourself in a stream and then on another lake and then on the sea or something. That that's been my life. It's been like a leaf that falls off a tree into a stream and then ends up in the Caribbean somewhere. That's been it. <laughs> what a wonderful ending Matt um, thank you so much for your time my friend and I hope to see you soon it's been a pleasure Jimmy and I hope the new house goes well see you in the future mate thank, thank you. you Matt thanks buddy have a good day thank you to Matt Hayes absolute legend and uh, yeah it was really nice that he, he gave us a bit of his time uh, to have a chat about his extraordinary life in angling right get fishing loads of stuff happening this summer in an actual fact I, I dare say it's the biggest summer of angling we have ever seen in england so national fishing month it runs through the whole of august so national fishing month is an angling trades association initiative running partnership with us at the angling trust the canal and river trust and the environment agency and basically, if you've ever thought about trying angling, this is your chance. Most of the events are completely free. If not, they're extremely low cost. You can find all the events at nationalfishingmonth.com. 
You can go along on your own as a family, whatever, book on at nationalfishingmonth.com. And um, as I say, most of them are free and you get free use of all equipment you're going to need bait. You're even going to get an instructor. Uh, you've got to take chance of this opportunity to come and experience our wonderful world of angling. You're going to love it, I promise you. Also, through the whole of August, uh, through National Fishing Month, Take a Friend Fishing will be running as well. So this is existing rod fishing license holders can take a non-angler friend fishing for the day. Takeafriendfishing.co.uk is where you need to go to sign up to that. Uh, come and take part. It's running through the whole of August and... We want to see your photos. If you're involved with National Fishing Month, hashtag National Fishing Month. We're going to share everything we can across our Get Fishing social media channels. Do come and like and subscribe on our Get Fishing channels as well. Uh, or if you're taking a friend fishing, hashtag take a friend fishing. Uh, as I say, the biggest summer of fishing ever. I really, really do think it is. Don't forget to uh, come and have a look at our YouTube channel. Just look for Get Fishing. And uh, we've got loads of help there available for you. And you get lots of bits and bobs of these podcasts, plus helpful tips uh, to progress you on your angling journey. And we've got a few sort of uh, unique videos as well, like a specimen barbel fishing on the River Trent that me and James Roach uh, filmed last autumn. Then we've got some pike fishing with Dean Asplin uh, that we filmed last winter. There's loads of great content up there, um, so come and get involved. Thank you, dear listener, for checking out the Get Fishing podcast. Do give us a subscribe and follow on your favourite podcast provider because we've got loads of big guests coming up.